Hey, uh, welcome to the podcast. It's episode 20. Not bad, eh? Episode 20. Not bad. Didn't, didn't, didn't know if we'd get past episode 5, but uh, not bad. <laughs> Still here. Um, I've got I've got one co-host with me here today. The the others are all uh, well. I don't know where they are. They're all on a mission. We but but uh, Wazzy saved me from the awkwardness of a solo podcast. Wazzy, Warren, <laughs> welcome. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, nice. Okay. Oh, great. Got you in here just in time. We see. Uh, Going to start off by. Uh, talking a little bit about tnb uh what happened on friday well <laughs> two of us well both of us here belong to the same team and and we know how that went um, um yeah, I do, I do mechanical. oh it was, mechanical failure. was that what it was it was a mechanical failure yes the driver wasn't able to drive <laughs> <laughs> That, that, yeah, that's not a mechanical failure. That's a uh, that's a driver issue. But uh, yeah, no. Uh, so and then the third the third uh, team member he uh, was not available. He was one and a half thousand kilometers away from home. So uh, yeah, we didn't uh, we didn't have Muno with us, and uh, both of us retired. So uh, yeah. no points on 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 round one for not Aston Martin racing, but uh, a few uh, a few good a few great a few great performances there in round one. We've got uh, I wasn't the only one to retire on lap one. Actually, I think we had six retirements in total, and five of them retired on lap one. I think I made it to lap three. After Trundle stood by me twice and took the second pit stop, yeah, both pit entrance wrong, and we all know the Baku pit entrance. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting that, one. That big mechanical failure came in, you know, my wheel fell off. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I don't know why. Because I've been tapped earlier. I'm Oh, you, you just tapped it. So obviously it was a it was a fantastic evening for Project T T what T T A Yamaha yes apparently there's a Yamaha they uh, they 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 collected seventy seven points so um, on fire I was uh, lucky enough to be in the same polytech just after the update when nobody knows how polytech works oh yes and then I uh, was like I want to go for not Aston Martin racing and then what was that 77 points for the MR team so already starting off on the on the back foot another stat that no one in this team would like to hear is we were the only team on the night not to score anything at all so uh, I would rather have a calamity in the first race than have a calamity 
at the second law school also I saw this is focus and think that the worst of the seasons I would have been because we all know Baku Baku we're gonna obviously in uh, in round two we're gonna head off to a to a circuit that's a little bit more uh, more friendly to to me anyway um i didn't have uh, my my uh, my baku was probably the shortest 100 percent race i have ever done um or yeah i uh what warm up warm up warm up warm up lap warm up lap in uh oh yes i was i was very i was i was i was i was very i was very well prepared to 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 give you a little uh to give you a little rundown of how well i was prepared about while i was making the lobby I remembered I needed to change my wheel setup because it was connected to the PC where I was uh, doing laps of Kyle So, yeah, very well prepared for that castle section. I definitely knew it was coming on my on my warm-up lap of qualifying. I crashed and uh, I went on to crash on lap one and then I had a very weird commentary stint from my rig. So, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a fun night. But uh, obviously, looking for for better things from from round two. Uh, it's a it's a track I should be quicker at, and it's also a track that's a little bit more forgiving. Um, you're not gonna get a lot of. Uh, you're not gonna get a second chance in Baku if you go off at one of those corners. Obviously, welcome to Rob. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining. He's not going to be here long because he's he's going to abandon us to go watch English football. Really? Might as well call him Boris. Might as well call this like Boris. I mean, really? English football? If he was leaving to go watch IPL, I'd be like, okay. But, uh, understandable. The man's a cricket, but English football? Are you? No. No. If we're in America, you call that soccer. American English people love it when you call it soccer. So uh, obviously, going into going into round two, as we mentioned, that'll be Austria. It's a much much quicker circuit. Um, a lot less, lot less downforce. Well, depends on how you set up set up your car, but uh, I don't use a lot of downforce around that track. I really like that track. So. Uh, We'll, we'll see what happens next week uh, Friday obviously round two eight o'clock and uh, we should have some semblance of normal commentary returning in the form of Johan or, or at least uh, was alluding to because you had a lot of your play you, you still manage to commentate the race well done uh, it was uh, it was round one and uh, it needed yeah. it, it needed something so uh yeah. it could, couldn't just be forgotten it was round one it's not the way you want to start a season with a broken stream and uh so uh but yeah. the team being broken so uh rob rob has already left he's gone to go watch his 
amazing football match. Wow. But uh, obviously you can watch, you can listen to the rest of this podcast later. It's obviously go, goes out to its various platforms, but it'll be on, it'll be on YouTube later. Uh, he's given us a prediction, but I'm not going to read that now. I'll read it a bit later when we get to, uh, when we get to F1, when we get to the predictions. Speaking of F1, where are we going this weekend? For the first time since nine, first time since 1996, we'll have a Formula One race in Portugal. It's not going to be at uh, at the track we last saw. That was obviously uh, Estoril, and uh, now we'll be going to we'll be going to Portimão, which is obviously just uh, it's a town west of the Algarve, which is a tourist destination a growing tourist destination in Portugal and uh, yeah they're going to be going there that track was purpose-built for F1 in 2008 and um, unfortunately the whole thing just sort of fell through and uh, Portugal ended up getting a magnificent circuit out of the out of the whole ordeal but they never got the Formula 1 that I mean, Herman Tyke designed the circuit and everything. It was made for Formula One. And uh, it's good that eventually, even if it is 12 years later, they're going to they're gonna get their race. Can you... Uh, can't realistically make any prediction. We know the Mercs are going to be quick. But beyond that, we know nothing about this circuit with a Formula One car. So... Yeah, Merck is got the advantage, but I don't think uh, the midfield will be more jumbled. Let's say that for now. It'll be um, a little more like uh, a little more like the Nurburgring, <coughs> where qualifying was was pretty close there in the midfield. In fact, it was it was amazingly yeah, close. Yeah. Obviously, this will be the fourth circuit. Yes, fourth circuit to host the Portuguese Grand Prix. Um, first circuit was, uh, I think it was, it, it was Boa Vista. That was uh, in the 50s. They hosted two races. And then it moved from there to another circuit, which I can't recall the name of. And they only hosted it once. And then... They lost Formula One for a couple of years, and then when they came back, they came back to track that was built specifically for F1 at the time. Estoril, Estoril still holds that Grade One uh, license, so um, technically they could they could have hosted this one. But uh, I think everyone wanted to see Portimão on the calendar. I say put them both on the calendar. Why not? No. Obviously, we've seen. Um, seen leaks of uh, of a calendar uh, for next year but really difficult on uh, even I think even the calendar that they officially release because this is like a leaked one so when they officially release I don't even know if we can read 100% into that calendar because that leaked calendar is all over the world so if you think they're going to make all of those destinations next year without an issue well, 
yeah, all, all of this would just have to go away overnight. I, I don't I don't think they're gonna pull off that. Uh, it's a 20, 23 tracks. But I see a, a new addition there. It's not. Uh, so we'll actually, if if that calendar is correct, we'll have three new circuits because we never did Holland and Hanoi. We did it in TNB, but we haven't watched the F1 cars go around those circuits. So uh, obviously Saudi Arabia could be the newest circuit added to the calendar. It's disappointing not to see any of the tracks that we've done this year um, maintaining their their position, like uh, the Nurburgring or Portimong. But Portimong was very straightforward about it. Uh, they actually came out and said, "Look, this is a this is a one-time thing," and F1 was like basically having a big discount <laughs> and there's no way we can pay their normal fees so this is a this is a one-time thing so um we must all uh let's all enjoy portimong we don't know if we're ever gonna see this race uh race again just read uh, rob's prediction well that that's definitely a rob prediction um, if, we, if we're going to go more realistic, then we'll just swap first and third. But, but Rob's prediction is Bottas, followed by Max, followed by Lewis. I don't know about that. I, I don't know about that. The, here's a depressing fact for anyone watching, and, and for you as well, Wazzy. Do you know that the Constructors title could get clinched in Portugal? Yes. How many races are left? Six with this one, isn't it? I think there's 17 races. This is round 12. Yeah. So five after this. So they yeah. could win the championship with five rounds remaining. That the thing that's been a been a, a team of dominance and uh, it's not really not really too much can. You can do. They've uh, they've come to F one and they've uh, they've mastered the arts, and uh, many will hate them for it because uh, can say things like they make the they make the sport boring. But really, they just they're doing what any team would want to do. If 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 a team was coming into F one, that would be what they wanted. Um, Get your what brand out there and then just millions of pounds on just to be the best. Just dominate your competition. Best, so. And uh, I mean Merck went to um, Formula E at the beginning of this year. Yes. At the beginning of this crazy twenty twenty year, Merck was supposed to start a uh, a Formula E project, which they did. And uh, they started off okay. They got a podium here and there in their debut season. But on the final race of the season, you know what Merck did? And it still haunts me. They got a 1-2 in Formula E in their first season. So it's coming. It's coming. And uh, the professional is I think John, if Bottom, it's 
Kevin was a new track. The Rising Monsoons, 1996. I don't think I saw Clear Cut this weekend. I don't think so. And when I saw Clear Cut, you know, we'll probably win. But I don't think the one we're thinking of is going to win. And you'll, from, from Merck downwards, it's going to be a different result. Well, the, uh, the weather report for Sunday is, well, that's not a very helpful report, but anyway, uh, 50% rain. And that is... It's like some GP race we had at France. Nobody did. The whole report was for clear weather two minutes before the race starts. Buses down, I just have to jump, wet rice, wet tires, here we go. You never know. Let's see what happens. Uh, we're not going to have any crazy cold temperatures as we had in the rest of Europe, so we're uh, going to be around 22, 23 degrees. Is uh, It is Algarve, if it doesn't really, but uh, more like a, almost like a Durban climate, but, but not, not as hot. A little cooler, a little cooler, but very much like a Durban climate. So, uh, actually, a lot of tourists from the rest of Europe visit Portimão in the winter, because in the winter you can still go and sit on the beaches. Um, so, uh, it's a holiday spot. It's Portugal's very own version of Monte Carlo, really. So, um, we'll be heading there this weekend, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Can't wait. Don't, don't have much to tell you about it because really we've never had an F1 race there. Don't know what to expect. But um, I think we can expect the Mercs to be quick all round. Um, and then it's really going to... I think Max will be there. And then that, uh, that best of the rest, that midfield, I think that's pretty open between McLaren yeah. and Renault. And so... Uh, before before we move on to to another subject, Mike's making a bit of a noise. Um, before we move on to another subject, uh, have you heard of the twenty twenty silly season rebirth? We all thought the silly season was done. Uh, Ricardo going over to McLaren and Sainz going over to Ferrari and Vettel going over to... We all thought it was done. It's not done. It's not done. And uh, the worst news the worst news ever is is George Russell could be uh, could be without a seat in, uh, in the very near future. Um, basically Perez could be on his way to, to Williams. Um Latifi wouldn't be going anywhere because a lot of the funding in that team comes via his dad. So Latifi would stay. Perez could potentially join Williams. And um, some crazy, crazy, crazy things coming out of Marco and Christian Horner's mouths that uh, if Albon isn't up for the seat, they will be willing to Look outside the Red Bull Driver Academy, if need be, 
and uh, stories of Holcomb. If they, do you think if they give Nico a one-year contract, he'd say no? He will, he will jump in that car so quickly. So we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens. There's still a lot to happen in the in the silly season. It's uh, it's not over yet apparently, and we could have some very talented drivers without a seat. Um, obviously at Haas, but uh, it was looking more and more like Callum Eilat was on his way to Haas, and now that's not looking quite right. It seems like um. Another Formula 2 driver might be on his way to Haas. That's Mazepin. Because uh, his father is looking at buying the team. So um, this seems to be becoming a bit of a trend in Formula 1. Yeah. Seems to be becoming a bit of a trend where you've got your top teams and then you've got uh, dad, dad, dad bought me a team. So uh, it's quite... Uh, well, to, to be fair... It, and and Steiner and 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 Steiner probably sent you a gif um not yet but I'm waiting for it <laughs> of formula e but uh, obviously just uh, looking at the uh looking at the f1 standings obviously Hamilton leading by a ridiculous margin. It's 230 points from Bottas' 161. So, uh, unless unless something crazy happens and there's two or three races that Lewis just doesn't finish, gets involved in lap one shenanigans or and, yeah. and Bottas just wins them every time Hamilton drops the ball, Bottas picks it up and gets a full 25 points, maybe, but uh, I really think if Lewis wins this weekend, it's you can you can pretty much call it. Might still have some mathematical way of doing it, but you can pretty much call it. You could have called this last weekend when Bottas pulled over in the pits and Looking at the uh, looking at the championship, Sebastian Vettel has seven points more than Nico Hulkenberg. Let that sink in. Sebastian Vettel has seventeen points. Nico Hulkenberg has ten. Nico Hulkenberg has started two races. He's been at three. He started two of them. Remember the first one, the car broke. Yeah. So you got yeah. no points there. So um, yeah, and uh, that that last performance, I think that was from from what last eighth or something. You got driver of the day. So uh, yeah, he's, he's got ten points. He's only competed in two races. He's got more points than uh, Giovinazzi, Kimi Raikkonen, Roman Grosjean, Kevin Magnussen, Nicholas Latifi, and George Russell. So uh, not 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 a bad performance for uh, someone who only showed up twice. Oh, not too yeah. bad. And who knows, maybe it'll show the third time sometime. And then uh, if you look at the, obviously the top of the championship is pretty decided. Lewis, Bottas, Verstappen. Verstappen could still potentially take second place if Bottas doesn't finish the season off very well. But if you look at that midfield, it, it, it's insane. 
Fourth place, Daniel Ricciardo on 78 points. Gasly's on 53 and 10. So, 20, 24 points covering six drivers. Actually, you can call it 26 if, covering. If, I was a gambling man and I was halfway interested in Formula One, like Red Bull, money wise. This is the perfect season to think, okay, well, maybe Albon was not doing that well. Gasly had a run, not doing well. You've got Super Sub, Hulkenberg, doing two races and doing well. Finishing in the points for the time. not before the last race, chuck that oak in your car. Just chuck him in there and say, put it. You got opportunity. This is your little. This is your little swan little, song. This is your, this is your final go at it. He has a one-year contract. It could potentially. No, this is a, like a cherry standing in the corner, and she shows you a leg. That's his. Show your leg, but let's see what you got. <laughs> and then I would have, if I was Marker, and Marker is a another individual. You probably you'll probably do something like that before the year ends. I think uh look, I think if Albon got dropped before the season actually ended, I think then you'll just destroy whatever's left of that driver. So um yeah, I don't I think keep him there till the end of the season. You know, give him a season. Gasly didn't get a full season, Kvyat didn't get a full season. Give the guy a season, see where he lands up. If he's able to finish fourth in the constructors, is it really right to fire him? I don't think so. You know what I mean? What was he gonna? What was he gonna do? Like, you know, if he finished, if he finishes fourth in the championship, what was he supposed to do? Was he supposed to beat Max? Was he supposed to beat the Mercs? No, he, he got fourth. He got Yeah, he was supposed to be closer to Max. That's that's. The amount of time he had, he, he started with Red Bull at the end of last year. This is end of this year, so he's he's okay. Granted, this year hasn't gone the way it should, but he had time, and he's consistently, averagely half a second of his teammate. I mean, See, Max, Max, Max is on 140, uh, Max on 147 points, and then Albon on 64, so not that, not even half. And then uh, that, if you if you look at the if you look at the if you look at the team championships, obviously Merck can clinch it this week, and they got 391 points. Red Bull on 211, but really, if you had to ask yourself. Okay, what did what did Max have? 147. Let's say he had 150, and Albon was able to match it. That's 300 points versus 391. All of a sudden, you know what I mean. Things look a hell of a lot better in the constructors, but but Red Bull just don't have that second car. Oh, and by the way, Ferrari sixth in the championship. Gasly didn't cut him. Cut him. 
all the way through the season, playing all but coming in looks promising, but these was are falling short, let's be honest. Everybody can see it. Now they're sitting with their dilemma. What What do we do? They don't, they don't, they've got drivers everywhere. But they don't have quality drivers. They don't have a luxury like Ferrari digging into a Charles Leclerc that's been at Alpha for two years and chucking in a car and wins the race I, at Monza. Look, I, I maintain Red Bull has produced... Red Bull... Red Bull, Red, okay, look, Red Bull, let's just say, let's just say, no, but wait, wait, was it? Right now, I'm saying right now, in, I'm saying right now, in 2020, you're correct, okay? There's, right now in 2020, you're correct. If, like Red Bull, they've got tons of drivers. They've got drivers in Formula 3, in Formula 2, in Formula 4 Italy, Formula 4 Germany, they've got drivers in Super Formula in Japan. Um, they've got drivers in Formula 4 in the USA. So they've got drivers everywhere. But looking at those drivers, none of them... Are you going to throw them in an Alfa Tori seat? Okay, fine. Why are you going to throw them in an Alfa Tori seat? What's the point? The point of throwing someone in an Alfa Tori seat is that they're going to get promoted to Red Bull eventually and fight for championships. And... And, and, and if you're looking at a guy and you're like, this guy's not going to win championship, this guy's not even going to beat Max. And, Max and, and, and now they need to look out the... Toro Rosso. Toro Rosso. Yeah. It's like putting two pieces of meat next to each other. The one you spice like you like it. Red Bull. Another one's got nothing. Red Bull. It's always going to be a little bit more styled than the other one. Red Bull went. They need time. They need time. Red Bull went through a phase of having a lot of talent and nowhere really to put it. And that talent, it didn't fall away. The guys are still talented. They just they went elsewhere. They went to the likes of Endurance. They went to the likes of Formula E. All you need to do is when there's no Formula 1 or MotoGP and you're desperate for motorsport and you start looking for these other formulas and you find a stream of something, you're going to spot a Red Bull driver somewhere. Yeah. I, I call them the Red Bull reject class. Um, and, there's, and there's tons of them. And they're talented guys. I mean, you've got, you've got the likes of World Endurance champion, Brendan Hartley. He's a failed Red Bull driver. Um, Which shouldn't have been dropped in my he got, opinion. He, he, got, he got one year in a year where that was definitely not the best Toro Rosso, Toro Rosso ever built. That, that, was, a, that was a rubbish car. Um, and he got one season and he was dropped. I mean, this is a guy that's he's obviously a good driver. He's an endurance driver. He's good at what he does. But let the guy come to this formula and adapt to it obviously it's it's, it's something very different so so one one race he's not a max that comes into formula one 16 years old you give him two years and stuck him in the red bull and he's fucking champion you know yeah he's class okay 
there was Sebastian Sebastian, Sebastian Buemi. Sebastian Buemi. There's there's ones there's ones that they didn't even see for them. There's ones that bring them up too quickly. There's ones that didn't even see Formula One that were part of the Red Bull Academy. I mean, uh, Formula E champion. He just tested a Formula E champion, just tested an IndyCar last week. Um, Antonio Felix da Costa. He was a Red Bull driver. He was a Red Bull driver that never made it to Toro Rosso. In 2012, down at the top gear face, nailing. 3 let's uh we don't talk too much moto 2 on this on this podcast because there isn't anyone we specifically support but we we can't ignore uh uh moto 3 when uh when when darren finishes his races when 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 box office bender stays on two wheels but he's at the front somewhere somewhere is the police top five so uh <sighs> that, that if he if he can carry on his progression like he's done this year, he uh, yeah he's gonna he's gonna challenge his brother not too long into the future. How is this for a how is this for a turning point? I mean, Darren Binder, I'd say the worst part of his career was when Brad went to Moto Two. Darren got a seat or a ride rather at uh, at red bull kdm and everyone expected him to follow in his brother's footsteps that was his brother's championship winning bike championship winning team obviously it's gonna go well it didn't go well he got one podium the whole season it was a complete disaster and that was his only podium at the time in 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 motor three got dropped uh racing for a satellite team this CIP Green Power KTM team. They're based in France. <laughs> and uh, how's yeah. that? He beat he beat both Red Bull KTMs this weekend. I, I don't even know who this Oaks teammate is. I've never seen him. <laughs> That's how well he's doing. Yeah, his teammate his teammate fell. Uh, I think his teammate's seventy something. I think there's a seventy three. Something like that. I, I, I've hardly seen his. I've hardly seen his teammate though. It's not like. It's not like his. His teammate's not up front with him. His teammate's not up. Yeah, no, his 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 teammate's not up front with him. So. Uh, so. Uh, can actually. Yeah. So uh, Darren Binder finished second. It was actually a bit of a controversial finish, because. Uh, Yumawa Masia, he actually cut the circuit. Cut, cut the circuit. Yeah, that that was a bit touch and go because it was only a tenth in between the two and did he gain advantage, didn't he? And even if he didn't, even if if he didn't, he's going behind the circuit into turn four, I think. 
Some loose like before, long, you know, quite a high speed corner. He was driving. He could have cut to the inside, but he, he left it on the outside and he went on the green pipe. He could have gone to the inside so easily. I think uh, whatever anyway. whatever the rules are, okay, I think everyone will be a lot more happy if you say that is the rule and that's always the rule. So, you know what? Don't get on the green stuff. Get exactly. Don't get on the green stuff. And, 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 and it needs to... be green point, so it's a penalty. You, you know, like when you... you you've got a chosen direction where to go to. He wasn't, there was nobody behind him. He could have gotten on the inside, outright him, and taken the corner, but he didn't want to. But, uh, so I he went on the green. I mean, I think that's where, for me, I think that's where you've got to basically, you've really got to state the rule. And regardless of the corner, regardless of the circuit, it's the same rule. I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it in Formula One, where they'll go to Austria and they'll police that final corner. They'll police that final corner so badly. Anyone that runs slightly wide, track gets deleted or lap time gets deleted. And then there's other parts of the track where they're clearly cutting a curb, and it's just fine. So you know what, if if it's gonna say that like okay you can you can cut you can ride on the curbs but okay in a motorbike obviously it's gonna be different but but in a formula one car if you say all four tires go past the white line or that that's an immediate penalty no, regardless of the corner you've got to have two tires on the curb at least or two tires on the right side of the line that's where MotoGP is a little confused, like F1 was a couple of years ago when they penalized Vettel in Canada. Nobody was really happy because it's not the actual ruling. They'll state the ruling and they have a riders briefing or driver's briefing or whatever, but they're not consistent. They're like, okay, this incident, that one's okay, but the next one is not okay. So, I don't know, it's touching the... They just need, uh, I think they just need a little bit more consistency and obviously, if, if it's, if it's gonna, if you, if that's the rule, you go over the green stuff, it's a penalty, then that should apply in every corner of every circuit, unless there's clear evidence that the guy was forced off the circuit. Yeah. Because like and, if, if and that's gonna be a thing, like you get you I've got three formulas, Mike three, two, and one. Make it the same. The GP. It must be standard across the board. It must be the same. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. And you know, I think it's even better for the riders that these things don't have slightly different rules. You know, the for 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 the motor three rider coming up it's less to adapt to make it simple make it one rule for everybody and uh having a look at the championship in in motor three um albert arenas looks like he's going he's a leader at the moment 144 points he's on his way to i believe it's patronus in motor two so uh 
he won't be in Moto3 much longer. Darren Binder is actually ninth in the championship. I don't know how he got there. He's uh, He's got 82 points. The leader's got 144. So that, what's that, 60 points? That's yeah. Five races to go? <laughs> Moto3 is a crazy thing, eh? And uh, no, all you need is 25 points when a bunch of your... So long as he beats John McPhee. <laughs> that's, his, that, that, that's his teammate next year, by the way. It's going to be a South African and a Scotsman. So uh, you can just imagine Brandy and Whiskey on opposite sides of the garage. It's going to be a great combination. hoping to go to moto 2 and uh, that that didn't quite work out for him but he's going to stay in moto 3 he's going to be darren binder's teammate next year so uh should be an interesting one and then obviously in uh in moto 2 it's probably the one i pay least attention to but uh got a got a got a victory for uh for a brit yeah that does uh sam lowe's and the guy's on four may eh? it's he won the last race well. too. I think he's leading the Motor 2 Championship. Let me just... Uh... Better than the other Lowe's brother, twin brother, does SPK. Yeah, he's doing a better okay, job well, than his brother. His brother, obviously, in SPK on a, on a very strong bike. And uh, Sam Lowe's brother second in the Championship. Coming undone in the second half of the season. The championship was. Was was leading the championship and it was it was a silly mistake and uh and now will be the first one to admit that now that means mm. the with that with that luca marini fall uh it means the championship is divided by the top three by five points mm. so estia bastianini 155 points sam Lowe's 153 and luca marini 150. so uh yeah, Moto Moto Two, also just a few rounds to go, and that's nowhere near decided. But now we go to the real, the real crazy. I mean, I, the I've got one stat I just need to share, okay? Because th this is insane to me, okay? The leader of the championship has never. I'm not talking about 2020. I'm talking about never. The leader of the championship currently has never won a MotoGP race. <clears throat> yeah, that, that, that's insane. So, just bringing up the points here on my screen, Juan Mur leads the MotoGP championship for Suzuki, 121 points, never won a MotoGP race, highest position of second, I think. Uh, Quattararo in second, 115 points, he had a shocker. He had an absolute shocker. I, I don't know what happened. Um, I saw him hobbling a bit. He had uh, he had a few falls in in practice, a few rough falls, and uh, he was uh, he was hobbling a little bit. And I wonder if uh, if that just came down to like the commentators were saying. Sometimes the pain can just overtake the concentration, and uh, he was just dropping back. It almost looked like there was something wrong with the bike, like. Yeah. I think I think you wouldn't have taken pole 
if there was a physical deficiency. Well, something then was not tire not setup. Something, else something was, was very wrong with the race setup of the bike because he just uh, he just dropped back. I mean, the other Yamaha that uh, started up front, Vinales, he he also dropped back, but not not at that sort of rate. Um, no. you know, he, has a, he has had a couple of races where he dropped back so badly. And they, they blame the full, full fuel load and this and that. Set up wrong. Got the wrong, but it's set up wrong. I mean, Dovizioso had a shocking race and managed to close the gap yeah. in the championship. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, uh, uh, he's never won a race. We've had, we've had eight race winners in ten rounds. Um... 15 different men have stood on the podium. So one third of the grid have won a race. Two thirds of the grid have stood on the podium. And the leader of the championship has never won a race. That's, that's, the, current, that's the current state of MotoGP. And you know what? I love it. First round of Argonne, look, this MotoGP season is next level. You cannot predict... You do not know who's gonna have that mortgage. And then, I, I believe last weekend was also the first time since 1998 or 99 or somewhere in the 90s where there was no current or former world champion on the grid. Yeah, Obviously, yeah. with um, Marquez after since the first round. Rossi having COVID, there's no former or current world champion. Yeah, basically because those two cover the championships for, for quite, and obviously Lorenzo is not there. Lorenzo was a. There's no. Lorenzo, world Lorenzo was a champion, so uh, <laughs> so no no world champion on on the grid, and the guy leading the championship hasn't won a race. I keep on saying it, but it's because it's incredible. It it makes no sense. Maybe, maybe after two or three rounds, you know, you might get a situation like that. But after ten rounds, he's never won a race. He's leading, and uh, yeah. uh, and I mean, at the beginning of the season, when when Marquez fell, and and that happened, and and it became clear that Marquez wasn't going to be coming back anytime soon. Um, everybody, everybody called it. This is Quattararo's year. And, uh, well, anything but. Anything but. it has not been the case. I mean, interesting fact as well. Beginning of the season, Brad Binder, what, is, what a start to the season. Obviously won his third ever MotoGP race. Alex Marquez, he hasn't had um, the best start to the season. But uh, oh, two, races a, two races ago, great performance, finished third. Could have called it maybe something with the weather. You know, it was a bit of a funny race. Maybe he's just really good in the rain and he got up on the podium. But then last week came and what a performance. What a performance by Alex Marquez. That was... Mark Marquez tweeted after the race. Hi, I'm Mark Marquez. I'm the brother of Alex Marquez. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet everybody. That was his tweet in Spanish. So, um, Alex Marquez doing a... 
doing a fantastic job. And an interesting fact is that he's actually on equal points with Brad Binder. So the two rookies that came through together after 10 rounds, they've got exactly the same amount of points. Oh. Yeah. So uh, I think Brad's had one or two falls more. And uh, Marquez was probably finishing in that top 15, still collecting points in, in, in one or two of those retirements that Brad had. He obviously got more sure. points in the one, but he got that win. But uh, he's had a few falls, and it's allowed Alex to come back at him. Obviously, Alex was the top Honda on the day. Um, Cole Crutchlow was eighth. That, that's the second Honda. And yeah, oh, Stefan, 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 yeah, look, remember in, uh, remember when, when Marcus fell and they brought in, uh, Stefan Bridal and, uh, the Hondas were right at the back. I mean, there's actually yeah. three races this season. They started last and second last, like Repsol Honda finished last yeah. and second last three times. And, uh, if you look at Stefan Bradl, you don't really see that Honda improvement. He he finished seventh. He had a terrible race. Uh, no, he finished seventeenth. Sorry, he had a terrible race. And uh, Alex Marquez started eleventh, passed them one by one, and I think if he had another lap or two, he would he would have got him. You hit the nail on the head. I mean, Stefan Bradl's no slouch. He's been around the block. For a long time, and he can't even master the Honda. So, uh, just like a day, like day night difference. That's almost horrible to watch. <laughs> it seems like it seems like Alex has figured something out on that bike, and uh, it's pretty good because obviously now next season, much like we see in Formula One, there's a bit of a freeze on 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 technology. So uh, the bikes next year are going to be pretty much evolutions of what we're seeing on track right now. Yeah. It's not going to be entirely new bikes or anything like that. Not not for 2021. Yeah. So uh, that means going into next season, even <laughs> though Alex Marquez is leaving Repsol Honda for LCR Honda, um, he is going to get Carl Crutchlow's seat. And what's important about that is Nakagami has a 2019 Honda. Carl Crutchlow has the same Honda that the Repsols have. It's a 2020 Honda. So Alex Marquez will get the factory spec Honda. And uh, if he's coming to terms with this bike so well, and he's basically just going to get an evolution of this bike next year. So uh, he could have a really strong season at, uh, yeah. at LCR. And he'll be running the team, basically. So... Uh, that's how or when or maybe maybe that's how nature separates the men from the boys. Another crazy I mean, crazy if, if stat. If he can do this now. There's no reason why I can't do it next season. Another. And then that's why Cal's been around so long. Yeah. I can remember Cal riding Honda like a Yamaha. Even uh, even Davizioso. Goes all the way back. He he goes all the way back to Repsol Honda, and I can't picture him on one of those now. It just doesn't seem right in in my head. But uh, talking about him going to Prada, I mean, 
You know, and you know, if you if you have to sit and try and list the champions that have been through a Repsol Honda at some stage in their career, uh, Rossi, Hayden, Stoner, everyone's been yeah. there at some stage. Yeah. So, uh, don't really remember Davizioso's time there. I wonder if. I wonder if that was around. I don't know if it was early two thousands or. Maybe I just wasn't around. 2003, he was there. I, I think really, it was 2003 and four. I really don't remember him at Honda at all. I, I don't even remember him in the smaller formulas. I think that time I was Rossi madness. Mad. And, uh, you know, I just I just watched this whole thing for Rossi. And, but, um, yeah, no, it's been a... It's been a look, 2020 has definitely shook up F1 to an extent. Um, it's given us a, it's given us a very interesting calendar. Um, it's given us some interesting results in the midfield. It's given us Pierre Gasly victory. Twenty twenty has been awesome in terms of Formula One, but in terms of MotoGP, it's it, you can't you can't describe this. This is this season is there's, there's a few races to go, and you've got no idea who the champion is going to be. Not between two bikes or three bikes or four bikes. You have no idea. Five or six guys could still win this title. And it's it's, it's crazy. I must say, in terms of excitement, and, um, you know, you, you work all week to get home and look forward to your, to your weekend. And MotoGP more often than that. It's given me that excitement and for a reason. It's just brilliant at the moment. So, like <coughs> one, we'll always watch it, but Britain GP at the moment. Formula One Top is. Cars, uh, formula racing, if it's two wheels, four wheels, doesn't matter. Formula One will yeah. always be my, will always be my, my favorite at heart, okay? Because it's. I, the the first racing cars I ever saw were Formula One cars. Okay, that that's the first former racing my dad actually got me to s sit down and watch. And when my dad was uh, he was a, he was an engineer in in he was involved in South Africa motorsport for quite some time and things like Formula GTI and Formula V and um even even south african touring cars with with nissan with the nissan Sentra to an extent so um he started taking me to the races and when i saw this formula gti yeah the single seaters just became my thing i mean my dad's team was a formula gti it looked like a little formula one car you know it had the front wing it had the rear wing it it, it looked like a little formula one car and i just fell in love with these things and open seater single seating racing has always been my favorite uh, i prefer it than endurance or touring cars or gt3 or i like racing but single seat is my favorite but just lately in the past three or four years i would be lying if i didn't say um motor gp has surpassed f1 in in entertainment value by a long shot so uh I mean, it, it you know everyone blames Merck, <laughs> but but it, but if you think back, really, what 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 was happening before the Merck era? 
it was the Vettel era, and everyone hated Vettel. Like every like, do you you forget now, but people hated Sebastian Vettel. They hated him. They were like this guy. They were like this guy's a four-time world champion because he's got the very best car. Doesn't it sound familiar? You know. Do you think back in those days, or saying that, do you think they would say Vettel? DSL sign board killer <laughs> or spinning champion or look besides um, look besides um, okay there, there, there was there was a season or two where Red Bull really just killed it but in those four years that Sebastian Vettel won it it wasn't that easy as no, like, like Hamilton seems ever, to like like, I don't know, like Vettel, not Vettel, sorry, Hamilton seems to be walking to the title. And and Vettel, Vettel had it difficult. I mean, there was a championship he won in Abu Dhabi that could have gone four ways. Yeah. We, we forget that, but in recent history, I suppose you can call it. You, yeah, Alonso, Alonso was challenging for that. I think Weber could have still mathematically done it. Uh, Sebastian Vettel. And uh, mm-hmm. there was a fourth driver, wasn't it, Kimi? I think Kimi. Kimi was very I think Kimi, I think really Kimi, not yeah, not really, but there was a mathematical chance that a Lotus could have won the championship. Which would have been insane. It would have been like, how did Maldonado win that race? You, you know, you'd look back and you'd be like, Lotus won, Lotus won the championship. It's like, how did this, how did this occur? But um, yeah. it's been a, it's been an interesting season in MotoGP and in Formula One. Twenty twenty's been a destructive year for for all of us and 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 our finances and our stress levels. But uh, it's given us some very interesting racing. It's given me my first official race weekend without Rossi. Yeah. I, th- I think. And how long? I think no. unless he was badly injured and I don't remember and he missed races, but I really can't remember the last time Rossi. I started watching my first MotoGP race was Rossi's first 500 CC race. That was the first time I watched MotoGP. Was Rossi's first 500 CC yeah. race. My dad sat me down and said, "You have to watch this lighty." He won one two fives, he won two fifties, watch a sec. And I watched him and he fell a couple of times in season one. He fell here and there. And when he got that first win, they just started coming. Yeah. And uh, he won his first championship on a, on a satellite bike. Um, he had that yellow, was sponsored by Italian beer, Nasser Azuru. He had yeah. that, that yellow Honda. And he beat the Repsol Hondas to the championship, which is why he got signed to Repsol Honda in the first place. But it's like if Alex Marquez were to beat the Repsol Hondas to a championship, that that's what that's the equivalent of it now. Yeah, that that's the equivalent of it now because I think he did it in his second or third season. He won his first championship. So imagine imagine Marquez in the next year or two 
beats Repsol Honda with an LCR. That's what it's equivalent to. So, not saying that's going to happen, but I'm just saying how far-fetched that is. Rossi pulled it off. So much better if his brother's on a factory bike and he's on an LCR. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. The, the, the commentators mentioned it briefly in the race, and this is something I heard a long time ago. And I've told people this because I saw it in an interview. And whenever I repeat this, people laugh at me and they say, either I'm talking crap or Mark was talking crap. Okay. But there was an interview with Mark Marquez years ago. Alex Marquez was still in Moto3. It was his second or second year in Moto3. And um, they asked Mark Marquez, is there a rider he truly fears? And he said, it's his brother. So after a couple of chuckles, they asked him, why your brother? And he says, well, because he's quicker than me. So is this Alex Marquez adapting to a MotoGP bike? If, if this is the start of it, it's scary stuff because he's late on the brakes. He's, he, doesn't, he doesn't look as nervous as his brother. Like, I don't know, the back of the bike doesn't move as much. He looks a lot more stable, if you ask me. It's not a all or nothing rider. Um, it, it could be interesting. And um, we if, can revisit this conversation in two years' time. I think so. And, <laughs> and initially, I was really uh, disappointed that he got dropped by Repsol, but I think it's a blessing in disguise. Mm. Um, I think if he's got the speed on the LCR, he he can race Mark, but. If they were as quick as each other on the Repsols, Repsol would have stepped in, in and said, "Hey, team. calm down, guys." So they because they're, it, yeah. yeah, they would have they would have calmed them down. So with them being in opposition teams, maybe they'll be allowed to race each other. And yeah, who who would know Mark's riding style better? His father. Yeah, probably. <laughs> But uh, yeah, his father was very excited there in the in the pit garage. The poor guy oh, almost had a heart attack. Up and down and left and right and right, chewing nails. He didn't know what to do. Uh no, it's a. Uh, <laughs> it's been a it's been a crazy one. I want to. Uh, we we've just passed the hour mark. So I don't want to I don't want to go too far. So um, let's start uh, let's start wrapping it up. What do we have to look forward to this weekend? Obviously, Formula One Portuguese Grand Prix, first time since 1996. Got a second round in Aragon. Does that mean the rookies are going to come back even better now that they uh, they're getting a second go? You know, a lot of guys that that's obviously their their first time around Aragon on a MotoGP bike, going back there the second weekend with all that data. Maybe we'll see guys like Binda Oliveira up the grid. Um, can Marquez go one step further, get his first race win? He'll be the ninth winner of the season, which is just what? In a field of 20, half your field have, half your field have won in the same season. That would, and the guy leading hasn't won. Sounds like a joke. He's close. He's close. John Beard is close. So uh, it's going to... The, 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 the thing I liked about last weekend, just quickly, 
is everybody was like, oh, John Muir, B6 on the grid with the flyaway of the Suzuki, he's coming back, he's coming back. I completely forgot about Alex Rins. A few positions back, and Rins just showed, boys, I'm number one in this team. Yeah, and uh, according to me, he still is. Alex Rins, um, obviously he just didn't have a fantastic start to the season, but they actually asked Quattararo, um, Fabio Quattararo, they asked him uh, what he would say is the best all-round bike in MotoGP right now. And he replied with Suzuki. Yeah. So um, I think it's a strong team and I think that's why Mo is leading the championship and I think Rins has just tripped over himself um, too many times. Otherwise, he would probably be leading his teammate. And, um, and it's, it's just that's high track. The Suzuki, if there's high tire wear, you know the Suzuki is going to be strong. If it's low grip, very cold, like Le Mans, a week back. Suzuki, Suzuki. They, they're not there. They're not there. Suzuki, they're for there. some reason, when the when the tires are really being pushed, the Suzukis can go that few laps extra that that they just when 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 the, the last three laps of any race yeah they've got the capability of going what, off what, what what helped alex what helped alex so much there on the honda was um all of those bikes around him they were on soft tires soft front yeah. soft back and uh he was actually on soft rear but medium front medium so front. uh he Colorado, Colorado i think Morbidelli was on the soft soft. Quattrara was on the medium front, and he was even worse. He was. He had no feeling in the front. Did you see? Actually, I Alex Alex Rins actually I ran out of fuel on the victory lap. When he was like, the, the bike just nothing. If Alex Rins had ran out of fuel like a few corners earlier, that would have been really embarrassing. Did Did you see? He ran out of fuel on the mm. on the. They, he actually got towed around the track by a scooter yeah. Yeah. and then the scooter ran out of fuel as uh, did you see that as they were yeah. going into the pits it ran out of fuel it went to the side and like fell <laughs> no yeah, i saw like a whole lot of and you're waiting for him to drop his bum to bum stop bike that's actually that's actually another difference between uh, MotoGP and Formula One. If that happens in Formula One, you can get disqualified. So yeah, they they need to have a fuel sample. Uh, they need to be able to extract enough fuel out of your car for what they a deem sample. a fuel sample. And it's, it's a prescribed amount as well. Um, so it's just but, not like, like 200 mils. Then, actually, actually, before before we go, what was his favorite driver? He calls him the uh, the prodigy, um, Dan Tictum. He um, <laughs> he actually he actually got disqualified from a from a Formula Two race not not so long ago because he won the race. And uh, on on the victory lap, he he pulled into the gravel. And he just, he like okay, got on a scooter and went back. And it turns out, 
he wasn't going to have enough fuel to get to the pits. So he's like, I'm going to park it here while it still has enough. It wasn't enough for the sample. <laughs> so he got disqualified. There was fuel there, but it wasn't enough for the sample. It was it was ridiculously... It was a very small amount of... But, uh, yeah, apparently he was coached by the best. He was coached by, by Kimi. Not, not, not for his driving, for his radio. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> before, before Wazzy starts getting too emotional about Dan Tictum and we can no longer control the words used in this stream, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna cut this one off. Want to say thank you to to Wazzy for joining. Thank you to thank you to everyone who watches this later. This this actually doesn't get a lot of uh, doesn't get a lot of attention on Twitch, and this is where we do it live. It actually gets. Uh, gets a lot more run on uh, on on youtube youtube's the the most popular but it is going to be available on spotify as well as google podcasts so um thank you to everyone who joined us for episode 20 we'll be back next week and uh hopefully we'll have a we'll have a big panel was he you're 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 welcome to come back come come back and uh I think I think we get uh, we need to get not Sebastian and uh, not Fernando not Kimi and all, all of, we, yeah hopefully we won't be discussing another zero point round because that that will be shocking that that could lead to my uh, retirement into 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 commentary until PS5 so um, let, let, if I retire from Austria I'm going to be severely I'll take the third of the, of the blame or the punishment. You know. I'll take the third of the... Thanks. Thanks, everyone. And uh, yeah. see you next week. And obviously, join us on Friday. Oh. DNB YouTube channel. Johan should be back for comments. But don't, don't take my word for that. Cheers. <laughs> cheers, cheers.